I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So GMAC is back. Joe McCoy will return for his 10th season with the Bucks. I'll tell you why it's time to end all that speculation and what Bucks free agents are coming and which ones may be going. I'll give you a hint. Fitzmagic? And might be disappearing. And will there be some salary cap casualties? You bet. What are the Bucks' priorities in free agency? The Lightning, will they make a trade today before the deadline? We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day in Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstick. Hey, you know, if you have a business and you'd like to advertise with this podcast, well, we now have lots of different ways you can do that. Our sponsors have shown great success with our audience, and if you'd like to join them, you can reach us uh, on Twitter and find out more information at SportsDayTB or my Twitter account is at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We would love for you guys to be part of our team. All right, Steve. So on, uh, I believe it was Friday, I uh, published, I guess, uh, digitally first, and it might have been in Saturday's paper. Um, you know, there had been a lot of speculation. And look, I, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm one of the ones that have speculated out loud on this podcast and other places based on some of the things I was hearing about whether, you know, Gerald McCoy would be back for 2019. This would be his 10th season in the NFL, all with the Bucs. And the reasons were, you know, in addition to his age, he's going to be 31 years old, I believe. And uh, of course, he's, you know, he's played a long time. Nine years is as long as Warren Sapp played in Tampa Bay. Uh, and then you had the change of the defense, I think, which was really the, probably the biggest thing that was driving it. You know, uh, how would he fit into a 3-4? I mean, this guy has been sort of a three technique and a 4-3 defense uh, his entire career. So there was some change there, obviously, with Todd Bowles coming aboard. So all of this was sort of uh, laying in there, and not the least of which is that, you know, the Bucks don't have a lot of salary cap room right now. They're at about $17 million under the cap, and they have a lot of free agents to re-sign of their own including Donovan Smith and Quan Alexander and Madam Humphreys, guys that they will look at and consider. Um, and so for all of this, you know, Gerald is at that point in his career where he, he's going to earn $13 million in 2019, part of that big contract that he still has three years remaining on. But none of that money is guaranteed. All the guaranteed money has been paid. So that means they could release him um, or trade him with no salary cap ramifications at all. They wouldn't take on any additional money. In fact, they would save – $13 million on the salary cap. So for all that, all those reasons and some others, you know, some of the things I was hearing, people uh, that, that are close to the Bucks or um, close to Gerald had speculated that uh, maybe he would retire, maybe he would want to go play somewhere else. Well, it turns out, and I reported this, uh, I guess they, they put it online Friday, it was in Saturday's paper, that McCoy is not going anywhere, not this year. There won't be much change at all for him. He will be back in 2019. Um, now let me say this off the top, Gerald never doubted any of this. This was the outside people that were like myself and others. Um, but it was, you know, there was reason to, I mean, there were people in and outside, you know, both sides of the organization, um, where, where this was undecided, nothing was set in stone. And that's what we were told. Um, but in fact, uh, you know, he is not going any place next year. Now, the reason, 
um, is that you know the current coaching staff, Todd Bowles, uh, Bruce Arians, and those guys have had a chance now to evaluate the whole team, not just Gerald, but uh, in particular in this decision. Obviously, they looked at Gerald McCoy, and they have to project a little bit about how he would, uh, you know, translate into the three-four defense. It's not that different from what I understand. They, and, and by the way, they think that he's going to be a good fit, not a bad fit, but a good fit for this defense. And here's why. They did a similar thing with Darnell Dockett, who was a, a Pro Bowl defensive tackle with the Arizona Cardinals. And then, you know, uh, Arians came in, the 3-4 defense occurred, and he moved as well and did very, very well after that. So there's there's some similarities there. Um, and I think that when you when you know, we look at the Bucks defense, I mean – you expect the offense to be good under Arians. He's here to, you know, to improve Jameis Winston. Clearly that offense has the most talent. I mean, just about every player on that side of the ball is a starting caliber player in this league um, with few ex- exceptions. And so the the whole balance of the season is going to depend on how much better they can make this defense, which was historically awful last year. I mean, they gave up 29 points a game. That was 31st in the league. Um, so, you know, they have to get better on that side. Well, you don't come in if you're a new coaching staff and then all of a sudden people start telling you, hey, um, we might get rid of one of our better players and not just one of our better players, but arguably one of the two or three best players on that side of the ball. So, Steve, I think that it was pretty – it happened pretty early on, I would say, that once those coaches got in there and started thinking about the defense and where Gerald would play, that they knew that you don't want to, you don't want to lose a guy like this. And then the other part of it is – and and I'll get your comments here in a second. I just I just wanted to say real quickly that if you look at his salary, thirteen million dollars a year, you know, could they use that on the salary cap? Absolutely. Um, but look at the guys that are going to be available in free agency. In Damakong Su, for example, earned fourteen and a half million last year with the Rams on on one year deal. Uh, he's a free agent again, along with Grady Jarrett, Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad Wilkerson. I mean, all these guys are out there, and essentially, if Gerald were out there, he'd probably top that list. It'd be him or Sue. Well, if Sue's already making $14.5 million last year, then Gerald is certainly going to get at least 13 probably as on a free agent deal. So I think this makes a ton of sense when you think about it, Steve, but there was still some things up in the air, and I think people were, were surprised that – some people were surprised that McCoy's coming back next year. Well, and I think the other part of the salary, and, and we tend to forget it, is so you bring him back for $13 million this year. You're not on the hook for anything past this year. That's true. If you go to the free agent market, most likely you're going to have to sign a multi-year deal. Now, and Sue, I believe, signed up. Was that a one-year deal? He signed a one-year deal, but that's but, rare. I but, mean, yeah, that, most of them a lot of money. two- or three-year deals, at least some guaranteed money that second year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So while $13 million may seem high, although – Looking at what Indomitian Sue got, there's no question in my mind Gerald would get close to that at least. I think so. And you're on the hook for one year, and then you can make a decision after this year. It it probably makes sense for them to bring him back. And on a defense that struggled, isn't very mm-hmm. good, and so do you want to lose one of your best pieces? And that's all those things, I th- in fact, I know um, are the reasons why he is going to be back. And – yeah, you make a good point. You know, this is sort of a pay-as-you-go deal. I mean, uh, th- there would be – most teams would absolutely want to go ahead and, and sign – you know, that free agent would want at least two years guaranteed or a good portion of two years guaranteed. And if they – let's say they go into the, the first round of the draft and they have a top-five pick and they 
decide to take a defensive lineman, whether that's an edge rusher or maybe a tackle, okay? This guy's a rookie. We saw what happened last year, you know, with, with their rookie, Vita Vea, who got injured early on, didn't play a lot, came on at the end of the year. But, you know, rookies are rookies. They don't always hit it out of the park first time at bat. So this way you can still draft that guy and uh, you have a chance to, to nurture him with Gerald because it's a defensive line draft. I mean, we'll get into the draft more as I go to the uh, combine this week and talk about, you know, some of the players the Bucks are looking at. Um, but this this defense this this draft is full of defensive players and defensive linemen in particular, and I think that the, there's a good likelihood that the Bucks will wind up with somebody like that. And so, you know, you have McCoy for another year; he comes back. And again, Bruce Arians is not here, a 67 year old coach that they pulled out of retirement to win in a few years. Okay, he's here to win right now, like now, and so. This is not a rebuild, as he said. It's a reload. So at the end of the day, you know, you, you're not going to get rid of guys that can help you win right now. I mean, Gerald McCoy is a right-now guy. And, yeah, he's plateaued a little bit from a sack number standpoint. I mean, he's had 12 the last two years, six in the last two seasons. I think that, you know, injuries have been part of his story. He battled through some of those. But, you know, the guy has still got one of the, the quickest get-offs. He's still somebody that Arians and others know. They ha- you know, if you're playing against Gerald McCoy, everyone I talk to, every head coach, they have to game plan for him. That creates opportunities for guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, who had 12 and a half sacks. Gerald McCoy, by the way, had more quarterback pressures than Jason Pierre-Paul did. Now, Paul had, you know, 12 and a half sacks, which were awesome. Um, and he had a great year, and I think he was a big contributor. But in many ways, those interior defensive linemen in today's NFL, you know, are are almost becoming more important when you look at, you know, guys like Aaron Donald and such. So I get all of this. I understand it. Um, it was kind of explained to me that uh, this was sort of the thinking that was going on. And like I said, this <laughs> this will not surprise Gerald McCoy, who now when you go back and you read those tweets that we talked about a month ago, uh, and some of those I wrote about on Friday, you know, when he was coming out saying stuff like uh, you embrace change, even when the change slaps you in the face and things like, uh, you know, hey, four, three, three, four, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as you can play. Now we now in the right context, you understand that what he was saying is he will adapt. He will change. And really, in terms of the defense, if you think about it. There's going to be somebody outside of Gerald McCoy most times. I mean, they're not going to go with a three-man front a lot. Uh, you'll have a stand-up outside what, what they would call a defensive end in a 4-3, but he'll be now be called an outside linebacker, whether that's you know somebody that's already on the roster or not. And so in that case, Gerald is already inside. He's covered by somebody else if it's um, you know whoever that is. And so he, he sort of is playing – uh, that three technique, in a sense. And it's still a one-gap defense. They're not two-gapping. So a lot of that is going to be the same, and I think that uh, they're confident that Gerald will will do a good job in that. So it's pretty amazing. I mean, the guy's had a great career. And, I, and you know, the one thing I can't stand, and when when, when it came out that, uh, that, you know, he's coming back, you get a lot of that same, same, sor- you know, same song over again with, uh, um, you know, gee, I wish we could have saved the cap money and, um, you know, tell me it's not so. And, you know, and again, it's because he's the one face of the franchise that's the most associated with these 11 years of no playoffs. I mean, he came to the league in 2010. Um, they have not made the playoffs since, what, 2008, I believe, or no, 2007. 
as a matter of fact. They haven't made the playoffs. And so, you know, his entire career has been spent going home in January. And when you're the highest paid player and you're leading a unit that's one of the worst in the NFL year after year, especially on defense, then you become the face of that failure. And it's unfair to Gerald. I think he's worked as hard as anybody can work. He really didn't have uh, a lot of veterans here when he got here. He's had, I think, about 15 defensive line coaches. This is his fifth head coach. And the guy's endured a lot, and yet all I know is he works his butt off. He'll go to San Diego again, and he'll work out you know, with Drew Brees out there, and he'll get in great shape, and he'll come in here, and he'll play as hard as he can for as long as he can. And I think you know, one day his name's going to be on the ring of honor. That's all I know. So Gerald McCoy is back. Um, I don't think there's much debate about it anymore. Could something happen? Could there be somebody that would offer them – the moon for a trade or with the draft perhaps change something or on draft day, anything is possible. Okay. Absolutely. Anything is possible, but I don't think they're going to, you know, renegotiate his contract. I don't think they expect him to play for less than $13 million. I know he doesn't. And so I think everything uh, is going to remain that way. And, and Gerald McCoy is back now. So that begs the question. Okay. Well then if he's back, who might be leaving? And speaking of speculation, there had also been some that I'd read about Cameron Brait, um, who is set to earn $7 million this season. Now, you know, last year, Brait did not have a great year from a statistical standpoint. In some areas he did, but he had just 30 catches for 289 yards. And he had six touchdowns. Now, some of that is because of the emergence of, you know, a guy like O.J. Howard, who was on pace to be a Pro Bowl player until, you know, he suffered an injury and, and missed the last month and a half or so. But the thing about Brait that, that people don't understand um, is, is twofold. Number one, he played needing hip surgery. I mean, this guy, had he decided and opted for surgery, which many players would have, that would have ended his year. Instead, he postponed it until the end of the season and played hurt the entire year. And when you're talking about you know, a guy that has to run routes, um, you know, have leverage against defensive ends and help block and all those things – uh, for Cameron Bray to go out there for 16 games is is pretty important. And Bruce Arians is not a guy that has utilized the tight end a whole lot, quite frankly, in his passing game. But he also is a guy that can adapt. And he has adapted in the past at different positions. And he plans on adapting now. And he likes the fact that they've got both O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray, two guys that can stretch the field vertically, uh, big red zone targets. And so uh, he's very excited about getting Bray back. And so Bray will be back. We don't know about Deshaun Jackson. I, I still think that that's one where, you know, we heard about them wanting to re-recruit him. Well, Deshaun can't play anywhere else. So he either plays for the Bucks or he doesn't play anywhere. The thing about Deshaun is he has a $10 million non-guaranteed contract. They could take it right up to the first week of the regular season, see if somebody's interested in a trade. My personal opinion is that's where it's going to go. They're going to try to trade him, and if they can't, if there's not a team that has an injury or has a big need for Deshaun Jackson at $10 million a year, um, I don't think he plays here, but we'll we'll probably find out later rather than sooner. And then there's some other guys that I'm still waiting to see if um, if they don't fall off the, the vine here a little bit. Guys like Mitch Unrein, and that one's kind of tricky. You know, he's a guy that had the concussion. They put him on IR. He's got a $1 million roster bonus that's due, and um, the the whole thing about it is whether or not he can pass a physical, and in which case, you know, some injury protections come into play. So all of that will be some of the things that they're going to have to decide 
with respect to uh, some of their own free agents. The Bucks have to deal first with their own free agents. And the thing about free agency is, even though they're going to the Combine here on uh, Tuesday, it starts, I guess, on Wednesday, they're going to have to make decisions pretty quickly about these guys because free agency is March 11th through 13th. That's the period where teams can talk, where players can talk to other teams and teams to other players. And then on the 13th of March, beginning at 4 p.m., is the actual free agent signing period, so you can begin uh, to sign some of those free agents. They also have to make decisions on their franchise player tag if they're going to use one by March 5th. So all of that is kind of coming at the same time that they'll be in Indianapolis. So there'll be lots of meetings with agents, players, uh, you know, player agents of the guys that they that they have currently on their roster that are going to become free agents. And so, you know, when you think about Jason Light and some of the things he's done in the past in terms of free agency, he's made some splashy signings. Some of them have worked out. I think you would say that Brent Grimes, except for last year, for the most part, was a good free agent signing, a guy that was a solid starter for them. Ryan Jensen had some good good moments last year. Looks like a guy that's going to be okay. Uh, the ones that weren't obviously stand out very easily, Chris Baker. Um, they had T.J. Ward in here, Anthony Collins, if you go way back, Nick Folk, Michael Johnson, those guys. And so, you know, every free agent class comes in. Everybody gets real excited about them. And even last year, you know, Vinny Curry was a guy that people thought, well, yeah, Vinny Curry might help them. Well, he lasted one year. And they cut him this year because he was due to make $8 million and Five million of that would have been guaranteed in March, so they cut him. Uh, that was a pretty easy one for them in in terms of you know salary cap type type deals. So now they're looking at about seventeen million under the salary cap right now, and that does not include that the salary cap is going up from one hundred seventy seven point two million to about one hundred ninety one million. So you're looking at about a six percent increase that will help the Bucks, and they could clear more space. We talked about the Sean Jackson. As far as their own free agents, I think there's three that they have to deal with right away, first and foremost. Donovan Smith, Adam Humphreys, and Quan Alexander. And I think it might be in this order, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Smith, we've talked about on this podcast, You know, he even though he's not everybody's favorite left tackle, and certainly pro football focus doesn't seem to like him all that much for whatever reason, but the guy is absolutely um, a stud when it comes to you know showing up, playing the best pass rusher, uh, in you know every Sunday and doing it 64 games in a row and that's not easy to do so he's consistent in terms of his ability to to make it to the game which is not a small thing in this league he's only 25 years old so he has a lot of room to get better and I, I think that they're confident that he's going to make some improvement and he'll have a chance to have a new offensive line coach you know he's only had one offensive line coach now he gets Joe Gilbert and then you have Harold Goodwin coming over as their run game coordinator so they're excited about seeing what, what they can do to, to push him sort of to the next level. Now, the problem is, um, you know, if, if he were a free agent, he'd be the number one left tackle available. And he would be looking at making somewhere between 12 and $13 million anyway. Well, the franchise tag is going to be around $14 million, And that's the average of the top five salaries at left tackle. And Donovan Smith is going to get that. So rather than have to go out and get somebody else's left tackle – that's maybe not as good. You've got a guy in the house, in the building right now, so why not re-sign your own guy? Again, if they don't reach a contract extension with him, which is the goal, which would be more salary cap friendly, still pay him a lot of money, obviously, they can sign him, you know, under the, uh, they could franchise him, and if he, sa- he would sign the franchise tender, I would imagine, it's a $14 million deal, but it's for one year. 
So again, you know, much like you just talked about with respect to Joe McCoy, you'd have your left tackle set up for next season. Um, it's somebody that obviously Jameis Winston and others are very comfortable with. And for some reason, if you, if you either found a better player or he didn't play well, okay, so you can decide, you know, after 2019 exactly what you want to do. Do you want to extend him or do you want to franchise him again or is he going to move on? So uh, this is why it makes a total sense. Donovan Smith is not going anywhere, but he is a priority and he's somebody that, you know, they will talk about signing to an extension um, in these next couple weeks. Uh, I listed second Adam Humphreys, and the reason is more about Quan Alexander than it is about Humphreys. Look, Humphreys last year was seeking around $8 million a year, and that was before he had the 71 receptions and five touchdowns, which are both career highs. And so, you know, when you think about Adam Humphreys, he's been a really, really good player for them, and he's a guy that made it at a rookie tryout camp. I mean, he didn't have a great career at Clemson, uh, and then he comes into the NFL and he does – fantastic gets better each year Uh, the problem with it is is that who do you compare them to okay when you're talking about value it only takes one team to establish his value and I think he makes it to free agency at least that March 11th through 13th period and then he finds out what his value really is but if you think about everybody says well you know he could be the next Julian Edelman all right well Julian Edelman signed a two-year deal last year worth 11 million dollars all right so the thing about Edelman is, is that he can play outside as well as inside. Humphreys is merely, and I would say merely, they're very valuable, but he's a slot receiver. He's not a guy that's going to go outside the hash marks. And so, you know, same thing with Danny Amendola. He would go outside the hash marks. They've already committed a lot of money to Mike Evans. He's going to make $20 million next year. And Chris Godwin is a guy that they have a, a lot of uh, faith in, and he's emerging as a starter who can play outside. And you still have Deshaun Jackson, who you hadn't dealt with. But I still think that they like Adam Humphreys an awful lot. I think they'll let him go out there and try to see if they can agree on what his value is. Maybe he gives them the first chance to match some other offer. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he takes it and goes. But I do know that they like Adam Humphreys a lot. I I listed him next in priorities simply because, you know, Quan Alexander has one thing that the other guys don't. He's got a torn ACL. And you know, it's terrible timing for him, but, you know, he would have made probably $10 million a year on the average on a long-term deal. But then he tore up his knee against the Browns last October. Now, he was on uh, WDAE recently, and I wrote a blog about this where he said that he expects to start running next week sometime. And it's been obviously a long time since he's been able to do that. So that's a good sign. Everything's in, in the right progressing well but have you ever known a guy that said yeah you know what my ACL just isn't coming back the way I want it to I mean at this stage everybody's doing well so he's still four months away from being cleared for any football activities how do you do a deal for a guy who is four year four months away from even knowing whether he's going to be close to the same player and regardless there's always an adjustment right there's always some metal hurdle to get over even if he's cleared physically but he brings a ton of emotion to their defense uh, it's a tricky thing to negotiate from a health standpoint. And considering their, their cap situation, you know, who they sign is going to have a domino effect. If you sign Quan Alexander, then that affects you with Adam Humphreys and so on and so forth. And so Humphreys, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm, Alexander, I'm not sure they're going to re-sign because of how tricky the deal is to do. I know they like him an awful lot. He's there every day. But again, it's one. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. One of those wait and see deals. They have to be ready to move on to other players. Now, what other players? Well, there's some free agents out there. How about the Vikings' Anthony Barr? Um, that can play outside and, and rush some passers. And, and, you know, if you're going to a 3-4, you need some extra linebackers. How about uh, the Eagles and Jordan Hicks, who can do it both in, in terms of coverage and um, all kinds of, of uh, ability to stop the run, all of that. So there's some notable free agents at linebacker that they can consider. So those are how I would rank the top three uh, soon-to-be unrestricted free agents. Now there's some others, too that the Bucs uh, have, to, have to deal with. One of those is Jacquez Rogers. And, you know, Jacquez Rogers is a guy that was, you know, had familiarity, obviously, with Dirk Cutter's system. And he was their third down back. Except that, you know, they basically replaced him, essentially. The problem with Jacquez Rogers is that he was their third down back, and they have just re-signed another third down back, and it's somebody that's familiar with Bruce Arian's system, and that's uh, former Cardinals running back Andre Ellington. So, you know, I would think that Rodgers is probably out. Ellington is in. Now, Ellington didn't play at all last year, so that's interesting in and of itself, but they expect to get more out of Ronald Jones. That's going to be the biggest uh, change in the running back position. They're really confident they can get him going again. There's a lot of reasons why he didn't play very well, didn't get a lot of chances for starters, but they, they still like Ronald Jones, and so uh, you know, he'll get some some action on third down as well. But I think Rodgers is probably out at this point. Adarius Taylor's a guy who played a lot of football because of the injuries they had at linebacker. He's very versatile, played all three linebacker spots. My information is that they probably won't make him a big priority to re-sign him. Um, then you go to the place kicker, Cairo Santos. We don't know about him necessarily, but I think they'll be looking um, to find other place kickers if they can. There should be some out there. And then the restricted free agents, Peyton Barber, We'll see what kind of qualifying offer he gets, but they really like Peyton. He led the team in rushing 871 yards again last year. And then it depends on how much they tender these guys to protect their rights, but another guy would be safety, Andrew Adams, who led the, ended up leading the team with interceptions with four. He had three in one game in that win over the Panthers, but I would expect them to make a qualifying offer uh, to retain his rights. So all these decisions now are going to be made between now and I guess it would be March 13th when uh, everybody can then become a free agent and even could go beyond that, obviously, where, you know, if these guys don't sign with teams right away uh, and the, the major free agents will on March 13th, there'll be a lot of big names, big name guys go. But um, they could get some of these guys back once they go out and they find out what their value is. And then, like I said, then it's easier to sort of uh, sort of decide who you want to invest in. But that's where we are with respect to uh, free agency with Gerald McCoy. Um, the guy I didn't touch on was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be a free agent. Now, the thing about Fitzpatrick is we know what happened last year. He's, he's a damn good quarterback in these situations. I mean, he can go in. You know, they gave him the offseason. They gave him, gave him training camp to be the number one guy. He lit it up the first three games, over 400 yards passing, three touchdowns at least in every single game. So from that standpoint, he was lights out. Now, he only went 2-5 and five last year as a starter because eventually the magic wore off. Jameis Winston came back off his suspension, 
didn't play particularly well. They benched Jameis, went back to Fitzpatrick, and he really wasn't able to get it going again. Um, now, how, however, Winston and Fitz, Fitzpatrick get along very well. They're, they're good locker room guys together. I think there's a lot of respect there. I think that Fitzpatrick knows his role. But having said all that, if you listen to what Bruce Arians said the minute he got the job, which was, this is Jameis Winston's team. We're going to ride or die with Jameis Winston, okay? Here's my information. They don't want Jameis Winston looking over his shoulder. And for better or worse, that situation last year, and Jameis brought it on by himself for getting suspended in the first place, but by the time he got back, he had this feeling that he had to be the guy that would out do Ryan Fitzpatrick, that it wasn't enough to just go out there and play and try to win games, that he had to light it up. And he was looking over his shoulder. He got benched. Then Fitzpatrick was looking over his shoulder when he went back in and so on and so forth. Now, ultimately, I think it's going to benefit Jameis that he went through that experience. But this, they want the swag back. And that's what Bruce Arians is here for. He's going to coach Winston hard. He's going to try to iron out all those mistakes. He's going to try to get him to stop turning the ball over. But there's a lot of good in Jameis Winston. What he wants to do is build his confidence back. And that, not that Jameis would ever be a guy you would say was lacking confidence, but let's face it. We saw it happen last year. You know, for the first time, he even admitted, he goes, I had to go back to being the kind of quarterback I knew I could be. I had to get my swag back on. And when he came back in after the benching, he, you know, he played smarter, but he still played big. He played, he played large, you know, in big games and things. So I think that this year will be all about Winston. The one guy they do like that they will consider re-signing is another quarterback named Ryan, Ryan Griffin. Ryan Griffin has not played in six years in the NFL regular season game. It's the most bizarre thing in the world, but it's absolutely happened. And yet He's gotten better each year. You wouldn't know it unless you watch the preseason or you watch practice. Well, what did the Bucks' new coaching staff do? They went in, they watched the preseason, and then they looked at the practice tape, and they like Ryan Griffin. Clyde Christensen likes him. Uh, you know, Byron Leftwich likes him. And Bruce Arians likes him. I would not be surprised if Ryan Griffin ends up being one of their quarterbacks and maybe their number two. They may have to just say, you know what, if it gets down to it, we have to play this guy a couple games. We're confident enough to do that. But that is not a guy that Jameis Winston would look over his shoulder. He's a guy that, that Winston is, is good working with, has a relationship with him already. So that room would be tight. Winston and him are tight. So I think, Steve, I think this is the way they're going to go at quarterback. I think they're going to go with Winston, obviously, as the unfettered. He is the guy, the man, nobody in, nobody in the bullpen warming up. But if they need him, they're going to go to Ryan Griffin if they can re-sign him. That all makes sense. But in, earlier in the podcast we talked about, Bruce Arians was brought in here to win now. He was. And so if Jameis Winston gets hurt this year, mm-hmm. you're convinced, and granted it doesn't matter what you're convinced, but are they convinced Ryan Griffin can actually lead them to wins at this point? I don't know. I don't know. And, because I, it would seem- and granted, Ryan Fitzpatrick may get big contract offers based on Fitzmagic in a couple games last year and be paid more than he was last year. And Jameis Winston's salary goes from a couple mil to 20.9 mil. So – Sure. You're also looking at how much are you willing to spend on quarterbacks under the salary cap. But mm-hmm. if you're looking to win now, and the quarterback's the most valuable position on your team, wouldn't you want a more experienced backup to Jameis Winston? Uh, personally, yes, I would. It wouldn't be Fitzpatrick just because of, of what happened a year ago. The, and, and, and look, 
There's a lot of guys between Ryan Fitzpatrick and who can back and who can back sure. up James. And, 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 and you're not and, staying and in the same offense. Part of the reason they re-signed Fitzpatrick last season is it was the same right. offense. He had already played in it. He had won a couple games in a fill-in role the year before. Now you're putting in a new offense. So yeah, you could be any backup at this point. It doesn't have to be Fitzpatrick, but I would think you'd want a more experienced backup because if you're trying to win now, right? And Jameis goes down. Do you think Ryan Griffin can do that this season? Personally, I don't know, but I agree with everything you just said. And for that reason, I think they sign a veteran. I don't know who it's going to be. It won't be anybody that you would say, oh, yeah, let's make this a battle between him and Jameis. It won't be that guy. Sure. Okay. Maybe it's a Josh McCown. I mean, I'm just spitballing here. There's guys out there, right, between um, Ryan Griffin and Jameis Winston that you could plug in the middle that you say, okay, you know, maybe it's Mike Glennon. Hell, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, maybe there's a guy like that that's had that job that, that you feel more comfortable because he's played before in a short-term deal, like you said, where, but there's always been that guy in front of Ryan Griffin. And that's why Ryan Griffin's never played. So it's going to depend. I mean, it would be a huge leap of faith. I agree with you. You're trying to win right now. And if a guy's going to miss a game or two, then you would rather have an experienced player that has been in the fire before to try to, to try to keep your, you know, keep your ship floating until you get your starter back. But I also think there's this attitude that, you know what, this has got about Jameis, and even though injuries happen, if he's gone for any extended period of time, we're done anyway, like most teams would be, you know, that their football team's not good enough to overcome the loss of a starting quarterback. The irony is last year, that's what we started the season talking about, how, oh, man, they got these three gauntlet of three tough games, and they could just win one of them. They wound up going two and one, and Fitzpatrick threw for 400 yards a game, and yet that actually created – more pressure for Jameis Winston rather than take the pressure off the team, right, with a good start like that, like a 2 and one start that they hope for. So there's so much beyond just the X's and O's, the personality of the locker room, sort of, you know, what they're trying to accomplish with Jameis. And, and I really think that they're they, – they, in fact, I know Arians wants the team to know this is our guy. There's no one better than him on this roster – we're going to ride or die. And, yeah, if he gets hurt, we have faith and competition. And, you know, I think they're going to create competition with Ryan Griffin and somebody else. And so whoever wins that job, you'll be confident, can come in and do it as a number two. But as far as Fitzpatrick goes, my information is, you know, he's probably not – well, in fact, I'm pretty sure they're not going to try to resign him. Now, what happens to Fitzpatrick? Well, I, I'm not sure because I haven't talked to him. I've heard – and this is really – I probably shouldn't say this because it's like third or fourth hand at this point, um, that you know he wanted to come back as a, as a number two here. He would do it in Arizona because that's where he's from. That's his, that's his home. Beyond that, I think he wants to start someplace. And if he can't do any of those things, maybe he retires. I mean, he's got seven kids and he's, played, he's had a hell of a career and he says it's you know, year to year anyway with him. Um, but interesting that Fitzmagic, that Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick was good as a backup but it turns out he might have been too good. Isn't that funny? You did too good of a job, buddy. We can't have that again. <laughs> Sorry, man. You have to take that somewhere else. <laughs> it's just weird to me, man. But that's that's the world we live in. It is. It's just, you know, the, look, Jameis is in his fifth and final year of his rookie deal. So this could be it for Jameis. So you want to do everything you can as an organization, including bringing a guy out of retirement like Bruce Arians to say, Dang it, you got to be our franchise quarterback, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you get that opportunity. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? 
All right, so let's talk about your Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, they continued their role on Thursday since we last uh, spoke together. We had the interviews with the Rays on Friday. So they now uh, are running away with the uh, with the division, as we know. 100 points now for Nikita Kucherov in just 62 games. Yeah, that's the first time since Mario Lemieux in uh, 2000, or I'm sorry, 1996-97, so 22 seasons. Jeez. Or 22 years, I should say. There's been a missed season or two in there, but... First time it's been that quick in in twenty some years. That's incredible pace. I mean, it really is. Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News was uh, in town, obviously covering the Sabers the other night, and and he was saying, you know, Lightning's like a video game. It's just crazy the numbers they're putting up in a salary cap era in in a, a league that's designed for parity. The Lightning are now thirty two and five against the Eastern Conference. That's that's just sick. I mean, they, they, you're right. They are a machine, and they are deep. And when they got it rolling, no one's going to stop them. And it seems, I mean, what are they one eight in a row now? I think mm-hmm. if you that's include correct. the overtime, yeah, they're the eight overtime, and two and in their last wins. ten. So, yeah, and so I mean, and, and and it's like it really is shocking if they lose, and of course they rarely lose. So you've got to give credit to John Cooper. This team is getting better defensively, which brings us to. Yeah, they Today just. By the, the way, they just need 15 wins in their last 20 games to match the Red Wings from uh, was it 0506 that 162 that's got the record. I think you're right. That's doable. Three out of four because they're they're on a pace ahead of that right now. I think you're right. Yeah, exactly right. And so they host the Kings tonight, but the trade deadline is today. So here's the million dollar question, Steve. This team is rolling, and there's something to be said for the faith that you would have in the current guys in your room, right? You don't. Look, they're going to keep playing no matter what they do, no matter who goes or who comes. But is there something to be said for, you know what, things are going so well, maybe we should just trust everything we have? Or can you always get a little bit better and and make a move down the stretch here to help yourself? I think that they'll make a, at worst case, a depth move. Um, Maybe they add another defenseman who's maybe your seventh or eighth defenseman. But it's, you know, you get to the playoffs – and if you have a right-handed shot defenseman go down, are you confident Ron Ru- or Jan Ruda is going to step in and play in the playoffs? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's pretty much your fourth right-handed defenseman right now. So are you going to go get an Adam McQuaid from the Rangers, possibly, who was held out this weekend for possible trade purposes? Um, he's a guy that contracts up at the end of the year, a tough guy in the back end, too, where you know if you're going to play him, especially late in the season, maybe players don't take a run at Kucherov or Stamkos. Because he's a pretty tough guy, I'll take you down. Um, you know, do they make a move like that, or you know, Cody Cece from Ottawa has been another defenseman that's been talked about to Tampa. Although that's been talked about for years here. It has yeah. You know, someone like that where it's not, you know, look, he's not going to jump into your top. These guys aren't going to jump into your top four defensemen. Maybe, maybe they're number six or seven or eight. But as you get to the playoffs, and it, you know, you've got a, a guy who gets hurt and needs to miss a game or two, or you know, more than that, or is Jan Ruda really your fourth best right-handed defenseman? Are you are you willing to go into the playoffs with that in a year where, you know, it's kind of Stanley Cup or bust? I mean, with the pace they're on and the, where they're at, you know, they need to win the Cup this year. Now, Wayne Simmons of Philadelphia is a name that's been out there. Philadelphia that's now, the I was gonna apparently in the last few hours or t- or Sunday, they're now convinced that he's played his last game in Philly and they're going to trade him. They were waiting to the last possible minute to see if Philly could climb back into the race for the playoffs. It looks like their GM is convinced they're not. And so he's a guy now that's on the market. Are the, are the Lightning interested in him? I think there's interest now what the cost is and who else is who's interested. But 
look, if you're the Lightning, I think if you end up not making a move, you're fine. You're happy. You're okay. And John Cooper said this on Sunday as well. And, I, you know, you have to believe him for that. But if there's a chance to make your team better and the cost doesn't affect you too much, I mean, would you want to go out and get an Artemi Panarin from Columbus? They've just traded for several players. The question is, are they going for it this year, or do they trade for more players to get rid of Panarin, who's going to be a free agent? And for the Lightning, acquiring a free agent that's a rental, the cost is a little less on a rental. Plus, you, you know, you've got salary cap issues starting next season. You're not, con- you're not, you're not committed to that player for past this season. I don't know if they make that move, but boy, you add Panarin to Stamkos and Kucherov and Braden Point and some of the scores this team has, and you definitely don't believe you could go two plus games in in game six and seven of the Eastern Conference Finals without scoring. Right, and I think compensation in terms of draft picks or players or whatever is going to determine some of this. But let's you know just just go back on the Simmons thing for us for a minute. Wouldn't it help them to have a guy? And I'm not looking for you know you're not looking for him to get in the penalty box and lead the team in minutes or anything, but let's face it. I mean, even the last game they played this guy. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about somebody that can stand in front of a net and knock knock the crap out of some people and really be really be that physical presence that people say the Lightning lack, but I don't think they do. Um, I think that's been proven false. That's a that's that's kind of a urban you know urban myth in a way at this point. But what but what does Simmons bring them something they don't have? He brings a bigger body that goes in front of the net. Mm-hmm. The guys that the Lightning have that go in front of the net are guys like Yanni Gord. Sure. And, and Yanni Gord's as tough as they come. Sure. But he's not a big guy. Wayne That's Simmons right. gives you more bulk, more size in front of, that'll park in front of that net and, and, and move some people out or, or make more lanes for your shooters in that. And um, so from that standpoint, you're getting something you don't have. You're yes. adding yes. to the recipe. Mm-hmm. I, look, Wayne Simmons here makes a lot of sense. Now, what you're giving up for it and, and who comes out of the, you know, most likely, you know, the other thing about this is the Lightning currently have 49 contracts throughout their system, and you're only allowed to have 50 signed players. Mm. So to add one, now you're capped. You, you've got, you can make no other moves with that. So, you know, who, who are you sending out? It's not going to be just draft picks. You're probably going to send somebody out. It doesn't have to be off the big league roster per se. It could be someone from Syracuse. Mm-hmm. But you've probably got to get rid of a contract or two to bring in somebody, whether it's Adam McQuay, Wayne Simmons, Tammy Panarin, or anybody else out there. Cody Cece, um, Mike Stone from Ottawa is presumably on the trade block too. You know, to bring in someone. So you're probably, you know, but who's going to go out? And, and the question is, is the team, is Philly looking for an NHL-ready player or younger players? And you don't, you know, that's, that's what, you know, will be determined and Absolutely. it makes every trade a little different is what, you know, you know New York, when they traded for McDonough and Miller, they wanted younger guys. They, they got Nemestikoff mm-hmm. in the deal, and that was more to balance salary cap for the season. But they wanted, you know, Brett Howden, Libor Hayek, and draft picks. They, they picked prospects is what they wanted from the Lightning. Exactly right. And I think that's what determines this is, like I said, the compensation. It's what you're giving up to rent that player – um, are you losing players that is going to be a big part of your core down the stretch, or is it too many draft picks and, and, and players? Um, and that will be But quite frankly, your window offense. is not open that long to win a cup. No, I mean, it's not. And the Lightning's, Lightning's not their, their window's not closing per se, but it's going to change over the next few years because there's going to be some salary cup cap casualties coming up. But if you got a shot to make this team better, you better have a good reason why you're not making that move. I agree. And I, and I think, look, 
this core is going to be together, and they are going to lose some players down the way. But it's hard to imagine they will have a better year, right? All things considered, and 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 you know, from the way they're playing, go into the postseason with more depth and momentum, barring some kind of unforeseen injury or whatnot. Then this year, this has been a special year. They win the cup this, this year. You have to put them up there as one of the greatest NHL teams of all time. Sure. Definitely sure. the greatest Tampa Bay team of all time. Of any sport, to be honest. If they win the cup, if they absolutely. win the cup, absolutely. But I mean they're gonna be they're going down as one of the greatest NHL teams if they win the cup this year. They will. Think about that. In an era Hips. you're not supposed to be this dominant. That's right. Going back to the Red Wings, man. That's yeah. really something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and they didn't have the cap issues back then of those teams. No. No. You know, the league wasn't set up for as much. You were able to keep players a lot longer than you can now. Sure, absolutely. No, it's it's going to be interesting. So we'll see what happens with the uh, the Lightning and their trading deadline uh, today. Meanwhile, it's a good thing that the Lightning's playing well because that's it for the race. Oh and man, this team's ninety wins, lose. not a shot, not a shot. <laughs> they're they're not going to win a spring training game. Forget about the regular season. I mean, what's going on? Did you see Ryan Come Yarbrough on. started, and you know he didn't do very well Saturday. He needs an opener. See, he needs an opener. <laughs> exactly right. You try to put him on the mound and start, and he can't, and that's why. You know, so yeah, they're in trouble. I don't know what's going on. Now, it's it's awfully early for spring training to worry about that, but it's still interesting. Look, they got. There's some interesting guys on this ball club. I'm kind of fascinated by, you know, some of the additions they've made, both, uh, you know, on the pitching staff with, you know, guys like Charlie Morton. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting year. But we're way too early to start worrying about this, right? 0-3, that's not a thing, is it? Is that a thing? No, no, we're, it's way too early. And the best part is, <laughs> look, Andy and Dave were back on the radio over the weekend. Fox Sports Sun showed the game on Sunday. Baseball's back. You can listen and watch. Yeah, they don't count yet, and my sons were having a t- tough time with that when we were watching on Sunday. And they're, you know, my sons but are yeah, five they're and losing. Three. They're five and three, yeah. and they're like, but they're losing. I'm like, don't worry, these games don't count. They're like, why don't they count? <laughs> they all count to me. I'm watching it. I want them to win. Yeah, that's why you give your heart to a team. You never want to see them lose, whether it's spring training or not. You know, take guys out in the third inning, and you're like, why are they doing that? But yeah, no, it's awfully early in the season, so. We'll see how the Rays progress. We've also got uh, the NFL Combine is this week. I'll be headed up there on Tuesday. It's going to be fascinating with Kyler Murray. I think he's going to be the talk of the Combine. John Gruden will get into some of that tomorrow as far as what's expected up there and some of the players that the Bucks may be looking at with the number five overall pick. So a ton of stuff going on this week. And, of course, we'll follow the Lightning trade deadline and see if they do anything with that as well. Hey, Rick, one more thing, too. Uh, As I was leaving the Lightning game on Thursday night, I ran into Tommy Leverone, who's a loyal listener of our podcast here. I just happened to see him as I was leaving Amelie Arena, so I wanted to say hi to him, and thank you for uh, saying hi and reaching out. He also tweeted at me, so uh, it was really nice nice to meet him, and, uh, you know, thank you for listening. Shout out to Tommy. And remember, if you guys would like to advertise with us, we'd love to have you. Our sponsors are showing great success. We've got all kinds of new sponsorships as well now, so make sure you contact us. You can do that on Twitter at SportsDayTV and contact me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or email is rstroud at tampabay.com. Hope you guys had a great weekend. We will talk to you tomorrow. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud. Have a good day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 